For the songs and the specials we heard this morning we're thankful for the atmosphere lord we don't want to take it for granted lord we're in a building it's a natural building maybe people we see normally maybe a similar order to what we've always done but lord would you make us aware this morning of the greater that we cannot see the angels that are encamped lord the spirit of god that's moving over the face of the earth lord working out the plan of redemption father we come this morning may our hearts and our spirits be in tune with you lord as we come and we'll be opening the word we're inviting you lord not just to fill this space of time with an order but lord would you just deal with our lives and our hearts prepare us for the rapture day lord Father, you know the issues of life. You know the different things that we have on our hearts. Father, we, we don't claim that we have everything, but Lord, we believe we have the one who holds everything. And so we're asking you, Father, forgive us our shortcomings. We're all susceptible to failure, but Lord, we have a righteous one. We have a perfect one, and that's you. So now, Lord, we're asking, take the order of this service, speaker and hearer, minister to us of your word of life. Remember the needs that we've held up in our hearts before you. We commit them all to you now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1, if you would, please. And we'll also read from Deuteronomy chapter 3. We appreciate it. The Word of God being ministered to us by the way of the speakers we've had over the last number of services, Brother Stephen Dodd, then Brother Tim Ashong for two services, and Brother Kadri Diggs for a service. And I believe the Lord's been speaking to us and ministering to us. I've, can you give witness of that? Amen. Amen. I do. And I appreciate the Word of God that He's done. So I'm going to circle back to something we were ministering on two weeks ago, and we were walking, uh, talking and walking in a higher order of faith, and I'll do the same. I'll, I'll entitle this today, Governed by a Higher Order, and I'll just take a subtitle from that in a moment. But let's read Deuteronomy 1. We'll pick it up from verse 3. Deuteronomy we, is a book that was really written in the last, three day, uh, last 30 days of the wandering of the wilderness, and God was preparing His people to cross from... The, the, the land that they'd wandered in, the wilderness, now into their promised land. So he says this in verse 3, And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke unto the children of Israel, 
according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sion, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Hishmon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Astaroth in Adrai, on this side of Jordan in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare the law. So these two kings were actually slain before they crossed Jordan, but it was God beginning to show what he was going to do in a greater measure. So now he would say to Moses in verse 6, and, and he would say, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you, take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereto, in the plain, in the hills, in the vale, in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, and unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. Now we're going to, just as you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3, if you will, and we'll pick it up from verse 18, we're going to draw comparisons between a natural land and a spiritual land. And I, and I just trust that you'll allow me that to, this morning. We're going to take it up from verse 18. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess it. You shall pass over, armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meet for the war. But your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know you have much cattle, shall abide in cities which I have given you, until the Lord has given you rest unto your brethren as well as you, and until they also possess the land which the Lord your God has given them beyond Jordan, and then shall you return every man to his possession that I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. So he's telling, now he's, he's, he's starting to make the transition from the going out to the coming in. And he's, he's giving a charge to Joshua, and he's saying, you've already begun to see something. And if I could say it this way, we witnessed something in first poll. We witnessed something in second poll. But we're witnessing even greater in the third poll. And that's what we, we ought to take courage from this morning. So let's, let's just take this, he says now, you shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord, God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness, the mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land which is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. Isn't this something? Moses who put up with all these things and yet he wasn't even allowed to cross over. He did in a way later on. But he says, and he would not hear me. And the Lord said, let it suffice thee. Speak to no more unto me of the matter. However, he says, get thee up to the top of Pisgah Lift up thine eyes westward, northward, southward, 
and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. God bless his word. You may have your seats this morning. As I said, we're speaking on the natural and the spiritual. There's a land that Israel was given to possess, and it was coming into view. So governed by a higher order, the land coming into in view. We're on a journey, and some of us have been on the journey for a long time. Some of us have, well, let's just say it in the words that we all can relate. Some of us are now old-timers. Some don't like to hear that or say that, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting along. And he says, others have come in along the way, and you've, you've come into something, and you've heard what has been. You heard where we're going to. Others have been born into it. Have, others have been born into families, and this is all that you know. So there are, are, are many that are coming in at different places. However, we also are in a season, and, and I will say the message has seasons and junctions and generations. So there are different junctions and generations. If we take Israel, Israel has had several major junctions in their, in their gathering back into the homeland. 1948 was a, a junction for Israel. That's when they declared themselves a nation. 1967 was the Six-Day War, and they took back land. And, and really, if you look back what happened to Israel, it was the enemy that challenged them, and Israel preemptively, under that challenge and under that, they took it, and they took back part of what God had given them. 1973 was also the Yom Kippur War, was a, uh, a major junction for Israel, and it seemed like Israel now for many years, 1973, 50 years to 2023, they've had relative peace, or you can say relative, they've had little skirmishes, but 2023 has represented a major change in what's happening in Israel right now. And it, it's not only happening in Israel, it's having reverberations around the world. Uh, it's having reverberations in, in, in the UK, in, it's having it in Canada, it's having it in the USA. There are demonstrations pro-Palestine, pro-Israel, there's, there's all kinds of repercussions. But it's just showing what the scripture said, I will make Jerusalem a stumbling block. And anybody who comes against it. So what we're seeing is God fulfilling scripture, it's a junction for Israel. Now, we could take the same thing, and we could say, and we took this in a, in a previous service, under the message, the message has had its junctions. We, we, we took it from uh, a prophet appeared in a river, or he was down at the river baptizing in 1933, and, and, and uh, a light appeared, and a, a voice came and said, your message will forerun the second coming of the Lord. That was a junction that God took at that time. And it was after that, 
uh, in, 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 after 1933, in 1946, that an angel appeared to him in a cave just as God was bringing Israel back into a homeland. So it was, it was a junction that, that now he was given a commission. You will have, you, if you can get the people to believe. And he says, uh, you will be given two signs. In other words, there will be two poles that will accompany this. Now, really, he didn't declare anything at that time that there would be a third pull. But yet, the two pulls were, were something that was there, and there was going to come another pull that was going to bring the people into the land. Now, you, you just say amen a little. It'll help me, and, and, and we'll, we'll just move along quicker. Let me just read this, if I can, right out of um, what the prophet would be saying in, in the rapture message. He'd say, now there's a message that's coming, calling the bride together. And he, he would talk about the three things. There'd be a shout, a voice, and a trump. But he, sa- he would actually say in, in this message, and he would say, now all the time knowing back there under healing and so forth, that was just to catch the people's attention. Knowing the message would come. What? Knowing what would come? The day we're standing in right now. The message is not complete. It's got to be someone that will fulfill it. There's got to be a generation that will possess the land. And in order to be possess the land, we've got to be possessed by something. We've got to be possessed by another spirit. It, this is not just uh, escaping the world. This is not just uh, escaping hell, but this is actually coming into a place where you recognize it is the manifestation of the sons of God again. And, and there's something that, that, that's within us that we can't contain. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trusting, friends, that you, you just stay with me. Now, the prophet would make different statements. We ought to live beyond do's and don'ts. You ought to live beyond just having long hair and the correct length of dresses. That's a part of what we believe. But it is not the major focus. The major focus is there is something in you that is the spirit of the living God. And the spirit of the living God is causing you to move forward. It is is pressing us. And, and I, I say, if, if, if we've cooled down a little, awaken, O oh Lord. Just kindle that fire again. Don't let us just slumber and sleep. So, so we, we are, he would say, knowing the message would come. Now, I'm, I'm going to read another one. And this, this is in the message, uh, end time seed sign. And Brother Branham would talk about signs that are happening in the world, he said, you know how um, distress among nations, storms in England, disasters in California, and he says, all these things are happening, and then he points to the heavens, he says, five stars are beginning to align. And then he would make this statement, he says, what is all of these things, the beginning of sorrows, five stars coming in line, grace grace, God's grace, what has happened? An infant church, hallelujah, 
a bride in her infancy, the power of God has begun to fall on, begin to fall on her. She is taking a form, a bride for a bridegroom. And he says, God's office is becoming one, just like the Trinity at the time of Jesus. Now it's the church of the living God coming together under the Word of God. The astronomic heavens is announcing her approach. Now, like that, that ought to just say, where are we at? Let me catch where I'm at. Well, Brother Ed, we've been coming to this church for a long time. We've been hearing these things a long time. But somewhere it's got to drop into another channel where it's not just, it's like one of the last messages Brother Branham spoke, and he spoke, uh, I have heard, but now I see. And he takes Job. Job had gone through a lot of things. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. Now you're real in front of me. Now it's something that is coming into plain view. And I can't help, but I, I just desire that we change our mindset a little bit. We look to a rapture, and, and in our minds we say, well, when that comes. You know what? We actually bring it on. By the life we live, by the things that we have inside of us. It is not just, well, when that comes, I'll be quickened, I'll be changed, everything will be taken care of. No, we've got to take steps and walk into it. I find it changes me. It changes my prayer life. It changes the way I approach. It actually causes me to put off things. Natural things. It causes me to slip into a different channel. And I say, Lord, let's all move together. So, so the, these are just thoughts that I'm taking. So we, we took in our last service from 1 Corinthians 10. I will not read it again, but... It was talking as, it says, the, all these things are in samples. It's really the same word as example. It's a more uh, historic version of it. But it says, all were baptized. All had um, a spiritual uh, meat. All had a spiritual drink. All drunk from the spiritual rock that was Christ that followed them. And yet the Bible would say, but with many... God was not well pleased. So, so this, is, this is an example for us. It's an example of what happened in the first exodus. There's an example that followed in second exodus. And now here we're in the third one, the last one. There'll never be another one. All these things, who are they for? They're written for us. Upon whom the ends of the world are coming on. It would say, now let us not lust like they lusted. Let us not be idolaters as they were idolaters. How were they idolaters? Oh, make us gods that we may return to Egypt. And, and they crafted, Aaron crafted, the priesthood crafted a, 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 a calf. You know, and, and, and when, when Moses came to him, he says, how did this happen? I don't know, it just was in the fire and it popped out. No, it didn't, it was crafted. And how was it crafted? By deceit. And, and, and it was the pressure of the people. Listen, I, I, I have a desire more than ever. Let's keep the message pure. Keep my heart pure, Lord. 
as I read the message, as I, as I take it, not with a preconceived idea, but Lord, let me be open. Let the word wash me. As I pick up a tape and I'm driving down the road and I see it, Lord, let it change me. Let it affect me. And, and I say, let, let it be real in my life. So not idolaters, not fornicators, as they were back in the wilderness. And, and then it would said, neither tempt ye the Lord your God. So I don't, I don't want to be tempting him. And the, and the last one, neither murmurers. I think we've heard that a few times, the visiting brothers coming through about our attitude and our words and how we say things. You know, God found great displeasure in the way that they came against Moses, in the way they came against his promises, in the way ten spies came against the two spies. That was the source of God's displeasure. So when we would take the same attitude, now, what are our pressures? They're not the same. They may not be giants literally in the land the same way, but there are obstacles that are great. And the obstacles that are great are, are the pressures of life, the, 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 the morality of people that's around us. Listen, our children go to school. They have, we never went, as adults, we never went to school in a day like this day. There is, they, we're having, parents are having to deal with, with transgender teaching. I, I read a story the other day how a, a young child went to school and they literally taught him a homosexual act in the classroom. That's the world we live in. Now, does that mean God's not going to be able to do it? No, sir. We say God is more than able to see us through. We will not take these things to instill fear in the people, but rather it's a quickening saying, Lord, I don't want to be a part of this. Get me out of this. Put me in a different channel. Now, you know, so, so all these things that, that are here, they were there under the first and the second pull. Now, to type these things together, I want to just read, read a couple of things. This is actually out of... Pick up the pen and write. Now, there, there's parts of this I could read, but I'm, I'm going to just take this, this one part I want to just pull out for a moment. If you can, just bear with me. He says, now, let us stand like Joshua and Caleb. Our promised land is coming in sight. I, I, I believe, you know, if, if you've been walking in, in this for a while, there's, there's, there's things actually that really excite me about where we're at. I, I don't view us as just stumbling along anymore. But I believe God is actually moving us into realms where I don't see the things around me, but I'm seeing some faith materialize in a greater way. And, and I'm saying it's a substance, it's a reality, it governs my mind and my thinking. It governs it when I'm sitting with somebody and, and they've got all this wealth and riches and they're planning their retirement and I'm going and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm helping them, I'm assisting them maybe from time to time and, and, I, and I do that and, I, and there's a part of me that goes, oh Lord, thank you that I've got something higher, something more real. And when I read the plans, you know, for what they have because of climate change and the conferences and we're going to do this. I'm just going, why don't you read Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is the earth is groaning because it's waiting for the manifestation and it's going to keep groaning till we come in our position. So stop taxing us and let it just happen. 
That, that's, sorry, that last part I just slipped in there. But it's just like, if you would read the Scripture, you would stop creating so much havoc and realize where we're at. But you know what? I, I see all of that coming and I'm going, oh, but the earth is groaning for a new earth. A millennium. An earth where there will not be sin. Where there will not be the accusers, the accusing spirits that are in the atmosphere. My, where, where did I do? I, I'm, here I am reading part of this. Okay. Our promised land is coming into sight. Now Joshua means Jehovah Savior. He represents the end time leader that will come to the church even as Paul came to the original leader. Caleb represents those that stayed true with Joshua. Now remember, God had started Israel as a virgin with his word. I will not go into this fully today. I'll take that another service. But they wanted something different. So did the last day church. Now listen, he says, there's some principles here. Notice how God did not move Israel or let her go into the promised land until it was his own appointed time. Let me just stop for a moment. You can read in the scripture, and I think you can read where Micah was a prophet, and, and, and he was, there was all these other prophets, and they said, let's go to Ramath Gilead, let's go possess the land that God has given us. And, and, and Micah, he knew the word of the Lord, and he says, yeah, they, and they had every reason. He said, it's our land. The enemy's got it. We need to go and possess it. But he knew that it had to be God doing it. And friends, I think we're recognizing that we, we in ourselves, if we work in our own flesh, in our own reasoning, we make a mess of things. I, I, I remember when I was young and zealous and came to the message and met this Catholic man, and I, in my zeal I told him, did you know that the whore of Revelation 17 is the Catholic church? What a good way to start out a witnessing. That, it didn't go over well. But you know, you learn after a while that you don't just force feed somebody, but you wait a little bit, see if there's something in them that pulls. Give them a little bit of Christ. You don't have to give them the full understanding of the Godhead and the serpent seed and, and, and all the other things. Just portray Christ. Let Christ be seen. As Brother Harold would say, just witness, and if necessary, use words. That's what, what they need to see. They need to see Christ in us. God, let that be in this church. Let it be that Jesus Christ is what is seen. And Lord, you know, and then as they walk into it, they'll take care, all the other things will take care of themselves. But there needs to be something inside. So he would say now, until it was his own appointed time, the people might have put pressure on Joshua, the leader, and said, the land is ours. Let's go take it. Joshua, you're all through. You used to have, you must have lost your commission. You don't have the power you used to have. You used to hear from God and know the will of God and act quickly. Something is wrong with you. You know, even, even the ministry, we can, all we've heard all our lives is, this is the greatest message, and it is the greatest message. And, and we have been given a messenger like never before, and it's true. And it wasn't just a pro prophet, but it was the revealing of the Son of Man. And he, that pillar of fire, is, is still with us if we can tap into that. And now, now we, we can take all of those things and say, you know, we're, we're above this, we're above that, we're, you know what? And then we can say, okay, let's, 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 let's try and show that we've got it. It's not about that. It's, it's not about saying, look, 
We can move mountains. Here, watch this. No, that's not it. We have a purpose for everything we do, and it's not governed by the devil or for show. It's governed by the Holy Spirit and for the purpose and the will he has for our lives. And I say, God, keep my focus on that. So you'll see. Something is wrong with you. But Joshua was a God-sent prophet. He knew the promises of God. He waited for them. He waited for a clear-cut decision from God. And when the time came to move, God placed the full leadership in Joshua's hands because he stayed with the word. God could trust Joshua, but not the others. So will it repeat in this end day. Same problems, same pressures. Oh, we, we need to be higher. We need to do something. And, and that's what happened to Sarah when they knew there was going to be a promise. And it's not happening. Abraham, here's a way to make it happen. Oh, friends, we need to wait on God. Listen, I, I, I just sometimes just enjoy going down the road, listening to a message. And the other day, God just put it in my heart, and I started listening to Convinced and Concerned. And as I'm going and I'm listening to Brother Branham go through it, you know, it, it, and he comes to it, and, and it just you can see, feel the spirit building, building. He says, you know, friends, I'm convinced, and he would say in going beyond the camp, that we are not getting the people to Christ. And, and he would say that, and he says, the trouble of it, we don't wait long enough. Till we're really convinced. Do we believe this is the end of the world? Do we believe that some people that we witness to, that may be the last time we ever speak to them? Are, are, are we convinced? Are we bleeding in our hearts and crying for those that are out there? I say, yeah, I, I do. You can't live in that realm 24-7. But it ought to be there. It ought to be close when God calls on you. And I say, oh God, move us into this channel. And I say, the more you're in that channel, the more it displaces a lot of foolishness in our lives. A lot of time we have spent on frivolous things. Anyway, he, he will say, the same problems, the same pressures. Now, Brother Branham in his own life, he came to these as steps or junctions in his own life and and, and he, would, he would take them, and, and, <coughs> and, and, and as he would come to different places, he, he would begin to move into them at different places. Now, let me maybe take it this way. Really, I, I, I'm going I'm to just share this for a moment here. This is in the Pergamon Church Age. Take the example we see of Moses. The mighty anointed prophet of God had a peculiar birth, being born at the right time for the deliverance of Abraham's seed. He never stayed in Egypt to argue scripture with them, nor fuss with the priests. He went into the wilderness. Now we can look at this from different ways, but listen to how this is interpreted. He went into the wilderness until the people were ready to receive him. And he says, God called Moses to the wilderness. The waiting was not on Moses' part, but because the people who were not ready to receive him. Moses thought the people would understand, but they did not. 
I, I've asked myself the question, is it, Lord, because of our lack of maturity? Is it because we still have too much greenness in us? Is it because we, we, we view things too carnally and that we don't view them as the sacredness with which we should sometimes? I ask this of myself, and I say, oh God, by your grace, there's times I haven't been where I should be. But Lord, I thank you for the grace that's kept me and brought me to this time. And now that I'm here, Lord, let me take that and let me run with it in, in the way I should. He would, he would say in Christ revealed in his own word, that's what's the matter with the message today is those who obtain it in their hearts must lay in the presence of the Son to get ripened, see? Pick up the message. Let, all, let the Son bake all the greenness out of you, making you matured Christians. God is coming soon, and we must be the type of Christians for him to receive. So, so this, is, this is now not just on, on, on the minister, but it's on all of us. That when we come to church, Lord, work with us today. Not only anoint the minister that's going to speak, but anoint me that I can hear what you're saying. And Lord, allow me not to look in the way I did in the past, but let me move on a higher level and see you in it. So, so he, would, he, would say, he would share it this way. Now, in, in, in a message, Brother Branham actually spoke, I believe it was the paradox message, and uh, I, if I don't have the quote, or maybe I didn't save it, but he's, he's talking, and it's the one about where he had to bind up the serpent, and he had to be more sincere, but he said he woke up that morning, and, and he saw a vision, and he saw a map, and it looked like Palestine, and he said, you are two-thirds of the way into your journey. And he said, just beyond that river, that's where all the promises lie. Now, I, I really want to make this a, a reality today because the, the, the one thing is, there's a generation that came out from Israel. And they came out, but they were almost murmuring and grumbling. They never really saw the promise ahead of them. They didn't see the joy of being of a life with the Holy Ghost. They didn't see that times in prayer were times in fellowship with the living God. They didn't see the joy of seeing a soul that was saved. But they, they, they were just viewing it as, okay, we've got to come out. We've got to be in this order, this way. And there's a danger to our church in this day that we try. We've got to get everything just right. But we lose the focus of where we're going to. And I say this, friends, the land is coming in view. It, it ought to be pulling us. It ought to be drawing us. It ought to be saying to us, yes, we can take it. Let's move into it. So it's not just, okay, we got here, everything's in order, now we'll just wait until the Lord comes. No, it actually is a stepping into something. Now, let's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. And I'll use this as an example, I'll try to move along quickly. I probably had, you know, an hour and a half to two hours worth of ministry, and then I just said, okay, well, what I'm going to do, I could have taken today and Wednesday, but I switched tonight, so I'll, I'll take this just into a three-quarter segment this morning and a three-quarter segment this evening. How does that sound? Oh, there's a lot of people nodding their heads, yes, brother, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
Hebrews chapter 3. So as we, we go into this, I just want to read here, if I can, just from verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, Israel never recognized it as a provocation, a provoking, a testing, a temptation. But it was. It was God seeing what was in them. And sometimes trials come our way to see how we will react. And the prophet spoke a message, reaction to an action. And God will allow something, and afterwards we see, oh, I didn't quite get that right. How many have ever been there? I raised both hands. I didn't quite get that right, Lord. And then we feel bad, and we say, Lord, please work with me. Help me, that I can be where I ought to be. And he say, now, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, Saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. They always do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now he's, he's, he's highlighting, and it's so easy for us to look back and say, ah, look at Israel. They, they didn't get it. And it's like, we have nothing to learn from that. We've got a lot to learn from that. Because we're in a journey too. And we've seen a lot of foolishness even around the message. We've seen it in our own lives. And I say, oh God, help us that we can go on to perfection. Maturity is really what we're talking about. So he says now, verse 12, after you saw this, now take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, we say, well, no, that's, that's not in me. I come to church, and I, I do all these things. But you can, ha- you can be following in the form, coming to church, and, and then go home the next day and adopt your Monday to the next service lifestyle, and then adopt the church lifestyle again. I, I, I say, Lord, bring this all together. Let, let the Sundays be the Mondays and the Mondays be the Wednesdays and let it, let it just come where it's a blending and a tying together of everything. You know, where, where the joy of coming to church, where it's not a drudgery, where I can't wait to get into the house of the Lord. You know, if, if I, I've been in, in some countries where they've had this privilege taken away from them and they can't gather together and they can't come together and they would long to be in a church service with believers and feel the presence of God in worship and to be able to come together and be encouraged by seeing another one, to see a living spirit beside you. Oh, let's not take this for granted. And the prophet would even say, one day they will turn buildings like this into storehouses. Okay, we think, oh, that won't happen. The rapture will happen before the... Listen, there's a lot of quotes that we don't understand, and we don't know, but they're there. And I say, while we're here, let's make much. Let's make much of one another, of of, of where we are. Listen, this is slightly more pastoral this morning than some of the evangelistic services you've had. But just, just believe it's the Spirit of God that's speaking to us. And he will say now, take heed lest there be an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, we, we took this in the, in the scripture 
Uh, I think it, uh, it was in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 36, 16, a couple of weeks ago. Why? They despised the prophets. They misused them. They mocked them. You know, they didn't go and spit on them. They didn't do, they just didn't take heed to their words. Oh, he's just like <laughs> that old crank. And you know that that spirit is around today? Ah, uh, you know, I put on Brother Brand, it just sounds so cranky to me. You know what? That's when you're in the flesh. It'll sound cranky to you, but when you're in the spirit, you're going, oh, thank God for speaking to me. Like, hey, listen, the problem is not the messenger. The problem is us sometimes. The problem is we get in the spirit. We get, we forget who we are. I say, oh God, let me align. Let me be in the right place. So you would say, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, the Bible said, gather yourselves together the more as you see the day approaching. And exhort one another. How do you do that when you gather? Just to see some, oh, there's brother so-and-so. He made it. It wasn't easy for him to be here today, but God bless him. He made it. That helps me. Right, right where Brother Marion is sitting and maybe Brother Ray, we used to have a brother that would come and he would always sit over there. Brother Lawrence Kesser. He was not a brother that sang, sang specials. He was not a brother that was noticeable. He was one of our trustees. But every once in a while, when he would, I'd look over to him when I was ministering and I could draw strength from that brother. And every once in a while, just to see him sitting there, it was a benefit and a blessing. I said, that's a rock. That's a pillar. That's something I can hang on to. Listen, as we go along and they pass off, there needs to be more rocks and pillars. There needs to be people that will step up and say, I'm not going to lean on somebody. I'm going to be that. I'll show up at the prayer meeting once in a while. I'll show up a little earlier and do something once in a while. Listen, I, this is not just an exhortation, but there's a, there's a blessing in it more than we realize sometimes. Verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold fast, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. I... I I can't maybe even stop here long enough. Brother Branham would say, we do not realize how this Laodicean spirit hardens our hearts. How it, it just causes us. You know, he would say, a great pressure of the last day is the pressure of soft living, riches. He didn't say it was going to be Oh, the, the Hezbollah or the Hamas. No, soft living, riches, everything Satan has designed, everything he's designed is there to harden you. Oh, you know, I, I heard this about something, over, and, and we just, oh, that's around the message. No, you know what I need to see? I don't need to hear all of the gossip around the message. I, and a lot of the gossip is just that, it's gossip. And I say, if, if, if I hear it, I say it's for me to pray about it. It's not for me just to pass it on and say, did you hear? No, no. I want to pray about it. I want to make a difference. If it comes my way, Lord, let me make a difference with it. How many can say, yeah, let me change that a little bit? 
the pressures of this last day. You know that they, they have so designed it, it's now written into software. It's written to make you, when you go on computer, whether it is a gaming site, whether it is YouTube, whether it is, it is, uh, it is some social media site, it's written in such a way that you will find pleasure in your flesh and it releases dopamines that you will think, oh, I feel good about this. And you know what? It is not even on the level that God really deals with us. Can you allow me a little bit of time to go down this? It's written into software, and it's designed to bring about addictions. It is designed, and I say, I can control it. Do not let it control me. There's great power in sometimes when you hear that little nudge of the Holy Spirit, and you just feel it, just to flip it off. And say, okay, now I'm going to go and do something different. You know what the Bible says in, in Ezekiel? I think it's, I'm not sure where it is, Ezekiel somewhere. It said, the iniquity of Sodom was idleness. Idleness, not being about the Father's business. God help us. Oh, now we hear from the pastor again. Yeah, you do. I'm sorry. I hear from the pastor too, and I need to hear it myself. Does that, make, does that help? Yeah, I need to hear it too. So he says, now, let's just finish. Hear his voice as in the provocation for someone they heard did provoke, howbeit not all came out of Egypt by Moses. Let's just go to, to um, chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into rest, any of you should seem to come short of it, for unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So now I'm going to just, just go into another little channel here for a moment, if I can. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3, we will move this along. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Okay, let me just read these and I'll make some comments. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But thank God we're in the message and that this doesn't affect us. I am glad there was a little bit of laughter there. Oh, my goodness. You know what, what, what I, I've just realized? You know, what if I was born 100 years ago and I had to ride in a horse and buggy and I couldn't stop at the fast food place along the way? And, and, I, and I didn't have the soft, cushiony things, would I still serve God? Maybe I'd serve Him better because I'd have to depend on Him more. There wasn't so many replacement things or distractions to take me away from the real thing. Yeah. 
And he would go on to say, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. There's times we've seen it out in the world. And we say, I'm glad I'm not like that. But the seeds of it could be growing in our own lives. There could be just a little bit that would lead us down that road. That's why I come to church. That's why I have to be in prayer. That's why I fellowship with the Lord. Because I don't want that to gain a root in me. Or in any of us. Now I'm, I'm going to take this in a little channel for the last bit of the service today. And I want to, 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 to go this way with it. And, and I want you just to take... Because if you take this, it's talking about pleasure. It's talking about um, natural affection, different things here. A lot of what we hear is really a perversion of the real, if I can say it that way. Let me take what Brother Branham says about agapo love and filial love. He says, filial love, he says, is when we come together, reason together, and say, we're brethren. You can come to a church and have filial love. Yeah, I like, I like the social crowd that's here. That's filial love. Okay, now you're getting quiet. Okay, if you're getting quiet now, whoa. <laughs> and you say, now, well, let me put it in the perspective Brother Branham says, because I don't want to make this negative. I'm glad we have filial love. Brother Bam would say the highest form of filial love is a mother to her child. Brothers, it doesn't say a father to his child. It said a mother to her child. The one that she carried for nine months. The one that she felt under her, in her bosom. The one that, that, she, that was a really a part of her. That's the highest form of love that there is. And it's true and it's real. Thank God that there's real filial mothers. I, I'm glad that there is. In fact, God would say in Isaiah, he said, the love of a mother, how could she forget her suckling child? He says, she might, but I could never forget you. I, I'm glad that there is a real filial. But are, are we going to get into the rapture just by filial love? No, we're not. We've got to move higher than that. So filial love is a wonderful love. It's a great love. And he would say, now, you say, well, we're brethren. Shake hands. Birds of a feather together. That's what we should be. I like that. That's good. You got a good point. Stop. No, he didn't stop. He, now he went one step further. But that's not all of it, brother. We've got to have something Another that pulls us from everything in the earth to that creator, that creator yonder. To the one who gives us eternal life. That puts in us, puts in this calcium and potash. No matter how old it gets, how wrinkled it gets, how dried up it gets, how sick it gets. God knows every ounce of it. I've made my decision in, for Christ and all the devils in hell can't help me from being raised up this last day into his image. 
I, I, I remember when I grew up, we had these Bible story books, and, and, you know, they were, what was it, Uncle Arthur's or Uncle Tom or some uncle. He had these books, and it was pictures of the holy women of old. They were dressed in dresses, and, and, and it, you know, as your child, you're looking at these pictures, and, and then you're imagining, you know, here's Moses, and, and, and you have all of these things. You know, it's, it's marvelous to be brought up under that. You know, we, we had, and I remember looking at them, and they were real, and, it, and, it, and as I even grew later, it formed something in me to attain to. But, you know, over time, as the world gets a little bit perverted, you know, the old pictures are replaced by more modern pictures. And, and now it's like, you know, different things. And, you know, and some of them, I, I, I used to, when they had this picture Bible out in those cartoons, I thought, oh, what a perversion. And then I started reading it, and then I realized I learned a lot from that book. I said, okay, and we started reading that a lot more. I can always learn something. You know, I, I remember we had one little book in our daughter when she was like, um, you know, just a year, two year, year and a half old or something, and it was, you know, one of these with the little cutouts, and you flip the page, and here's Moses, or sorry, here's Noah, you know, white beard and everything, and, 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 and she, would, she would identify, the, from an early age, identify those characters. And I remember we, we traveled down to Louisiana, and, and we were there, and we were with Brother Tim Pruitt, and we were walking through the store, and, and, and it was Walmart at Christmas time, and at every aisle, there was a picture of Santa with a beard and, 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 and white hair. And my daughter walked in, and, and, and we, we, we carried her in, and the first thing she looked, Noah! And Brother Tim says, you're bringing her up right. <laughs> Noah! That's, that's a good thing. You know what? I, I, I feel like, yeah, let's keep these things before us. And, and, and let, them, let them work on our behalf. So now I'm, I'm, just, I'm just taking this as a thought, and I'm just going here. Now he says, there's a natural thing. Oh, my, here, I, I, I've got a... Okay, I'm, I'm going to try and just pick a couple of these. I've got too many to read all at once, so... I'm just going to pick a couple of things. Now, he says, now, in filial love, now, he would actually say in one place, if you consider it this way, from God pours a river, and it's pure, unadulterated love. And as it comes down, it kind of spills over, and it becomes filial, natural love. And then that perverts down, and it becomes jealousy, and then it becomes lust, and then it becomes perversion. So really, lust, perversion, are all perversions of the real. Filial is really good to have. I, I'm grateful that I, I had a mother that loved me and prayed for me. I'm grateful that I got brothers and sisters that, that will do the same. I'm grateful for my wife and my children. I'm grateful for that. But I don't stop at that. And, and now Brother Adam is saying, now, a filial love, that's like Mary and Martha. Now, Brother Adam would say, now he says, now you could look at the two, and maybe Mary's different than Martha. Maybe Martha's the prettiest, but yet you love Mary the best. And he says, now, you can find a girl you love, and as soon as you see her, you know that you love her. And you can think, if I only I could get a date with that girl. Well, he says, but that doesn't satisfy the feeling. 
I could go with her steady. I could get married to her. I could do these things. And every relationship you love so much till you feel like you could bring that back and pull it through and into you. And he said, if it's real and of itself, God, it'll be a part of your soul. So, so God can work through those things, but so can the enemy. Brother Bam would say in, in Christ revealed in his own word, he says, you know, you go out, you look at a sunset going down, and it's beautiful in nature, and, and, and you have tears, and you're crying, and, and, it's, and it's wonderful. And he, says, and he says, you can even love God, but still miss it. And that always stumbled me. But I realized you can love him in a filial sense, and still not entered into the higher level of it. So there's perversions of it. So sometimes, what am I getting to? I'm saying, we don't just want to operate God on a natural level. What hurt Israel? They viewed Moses naturally. What hurt Miriam? Miriam just viewed him as her brother and chastised him for marrying an Ethiopian. And God was displeased. Why? It was all built on natural relationship. And we can get the same way. You know, we, okay, we, we can, if we're not careful, and, and let me try and bring this into a couple of perspectives. I just heard it on a service the other day. You know, sometimes when we're going through a trial, we view it as, oh, the devil is really on me. And, 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 and I'm going through this trial. But then there's somebody that we maybe don't like so much. And we look at the same thing and we say, Oh, God's really dealing with them. Well, maybe he's dealing with you too. And our eyes get blinded by just looking at ourselves. Oh, God, help us. That we can judge not according to our natural being and thinking, but that we can judge with godly agapo judgment. One of the greatest things that we have is, is when our children grow up. And they grow up, and we love them as children, and you've always reached out, you've always helped them, but now they're growing into a place, and so now you, 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 you recognize, now they're going through something, I can reach out and help them, but then God just says, no, just wait. Because I'm starting to deal with them now. And you know, you need to let your filio go, and allow the agapo to take over, and say, Lord, you deal with them. Hey, that's not an easy thing for a mother, even a father. A mother, it's maybe harder for. But you know, Brother Brown had to come to that same place. His daughter, Rebecca, started getting rebellious, started, started going and, and, and playing piano, wanted to go somewhere and do this. And, 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 she, and, and Sister Mita came in. Oh, Bill, we got to do something. He says, no. Sister Mita, let her. No, you don't understand. No. He says, no. He says, I help people all over the world. Listen to me. He said, we've loved her as our daughter. Now we've got to be a friend to her. Now we can't just rein her in, sit down. No, now we've got to exercise a higher order. It's, what is it? It's the love of God. Oh, love of God, how rich and how pure. That way, we can stand back and know they're in God's hands. And I, would, I could help them right now, but I'll wait. I'll let God deal with this situation. Oh, they'll know. Like, like when Billy Paul had to leave the house because he was not living right. 
And Brother Branham would say, you can't stay in this house. Daddy's a servant of God, etc., etc. And then he left the house and he did that and he says, but you know what next, thing brother, next day Brother Branham went? He went fishing with him. And Billy Paul moved further down the stream and Brother Branham moved further down the stream. And he kept doing that. Why? Because he loved him. But he also placed him in the hands of God. And that's something we all have to learn. And, and so it's not easy as parents to do that. Oh man, nobody here has ever gone through that? Really? <laughs> what are we talking about? A higher form of love. Yeah, just go with me. For just I'm going to inject the scripture. It just comes to my mind. Psalms 15. Psalms 15. What, what, did, Mary, what did Miriam do wrong? She just viewed Moses as her brother. You know what our danger is? We just view one another as, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. We need to respect one another. A minister needs to come up here and respect. This is not just people. Brother Branham had to say, they're not just sawdust. This is the purchase of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I need to be sensitive to that as a minister. Likewise, we need to say, oh, that's so-and-so. I've known him as a child. <laughs> Who does he think he is? Yeah. Hang on a second. Maybe God's bringing him to that place. You know what? We, we can get so stuffed and we think, no, it's only me. God can only work through me. You know, why do we have, you know, younger musicians? Why do we have younger ministers? Because God is bringing us up to a place. And we need to leave room for maturity. Is it going to be perfect? No, it's not always going to be perfect. But we need to help one another along the way. Does this sound okay this morning? Man, I didn't think I'm going into all these directions, but I'm, here I am. What, what did Miriam do? She just, oh, that's just Moses. And, and she didn't realize who she was speaking against. Read Numbers chapter 12. I'm not going to go there today. But let's read Psalms 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Ah, I want to be there. You want to be there. Therefore, here's some advice to attain to. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. You ever think about backbiting is? You're thinking, aren't you? That's good. <laughs> he that backbiteth not with his tongue, in other words, doesn't use it for the right purpose. Nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach to his neighbor. You know, our, our humanity gets the best of us sometimes. Brother Brandon would say it this way. You're driving down the road, and you catch yourself speeding. You know what he says next? Just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not going to take a series on this, but I'm just saying these are some laws. These are general, simple laws. It's, it, it's, it's a reflection. Just stop it. Okay, so he would, and then he would go on and say, somebody sends, says something against you, and you immediately are about to speak. Just hold on. Stop. Recoil. Readdress. Okay. And then, when we're both in a good frame of mind, let's talk about it. Reaction to an action. God help us all. 
I, I just was listening to the tape yesterday. Brother Branham was speaking, and he says, this guy called him out, uh, what was it? God Keeps His Word, 1957. And, and this, this man wrote a letter against him. You're a soothsayer. You said that the devil doesn't heal. I've witnessed the devil healing. I've done this and this. And, and he just gives a, and he, and he says, he wrote me a nice little letter, 22 pages long. <laughs> now, could you imagine? And so Brother Branham, he just says, so I waited a little bit, and I wrote him back. My dear brother, <laughs> I'm glad you thought so much of me to write to me. <laughs> and he says, I really appreciate, if I'm wrong somewhere, that you could help me with it. But can I maybe share a few things with you? Oh, man, how many of us would do that? No, it's just like, hang on a second. Guns are loaded. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> Hey, who wants to live a little higher? I do. He that taketh not up a reproach to his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is, con is condemned, but he honoreth them that feareth the, the Lord. This next verse always speaks to me. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. So somebody can say something and... And, and we, are, we are affected by it. Ah, they didn't say that. And then we say it, and it's like, no, no problem. No. Let's have equal judgment. Let's judge myself and the other person on the same level. Let's, let's be, let's say, I did wrong. You know what it really does when you did wrong? And you go and you say sorry? And you say Sorry? It's like a load lifts off you. The pressure is released. And you can come back to the Lord. And it may be just a little thing. Do you want an example? Brother Branham crosses the border. He crosses the border. Do you have anything to declare? Nothing to declare. They drive down the road about an hour. Billy Paul pulls out a chocolate bar. Where'd you get that from? We bought it over there. We didn't declare it. He drove all the way back. Now he was a prophet. He lived close to the Lord. Maybe we're not, maybe you're not that, we're not that close, but I'll say there was an example that was there. An example. Just maybe a little harsh to your wife or to your husband. And all of a sudden the atmosphere in the home changes. And then you think, ah, I'll just brush it off. No, I can't just brush it off. Sometimes it ought to be, Lord, I want the atmosphere where you're welcome. And if I did wrong, I want to apologize. And you know what? When you do it, it may seem like humbling, but you know, I believe God is pleased with it. Wow. Brother Ed, I really didn't expect the service to go this way. Neither did I, but I'm here now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know it really is probably not for anybody here, but in case somebody's listening in or they get this tape, maybe they'll be helped by it, or maybe when I listen to it after, I'll be helped by it, but... I thought somebody would at least <laughs> see the subtle sarcasm that was oozing out of what I was saying. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let me... Deuteronomy chapter 2, real quick. Let's go, go back. Oh, let's just... I, 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 let me just take the next verse, verse 5. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. You know, it's really good to sometimes take these scriptures and say, Lord, what does that mean? How can I 
find myself in there. You ever read a scripture where you go, oh God, I need help with this one. It happens to me. And then I hear something and just the other day in fellowship, something was said and I go, that's good advice. I need to listen to that. And I, I, I try, try. So here, what was Miriam's trouble? She lived in a filial world when really she should have respected maybe a little higher, hey, God is here too, you know, and I need to respect him as more than my brother. Yes, he's my brother. Yes, it is filial. But when it comes to the things of God, I got to be careful. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 2. As I said, I will stop at an appropriate place and carry on. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Let's just read this. Now, Moses is rehearsing to a generation that's about to go into the land. And we turned and we took our journey into wilderness by way of the Red Sea. As the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward and command this people. You are to pass through the coasts of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir. And they shall be afraid of you. Take you good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Now, you're going to pass by a people that are not like you. They're going to try and maybe pull you or draw you. But here, I'm giving you some instruction. Verse 5, meddle not with them. For I will not give you of your land, no so much as a footbreath, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. Now, if you go into the message, as I was with Moses, Brother Bannon would say, he says, and he's talking about his own life, and he's talking about how, referring to the commission of Joshua chapter 1, which I'm not fully getting into today, but he's saying, we need to move beyond, and he says, what was the trouble that they had under Balaam? They looked at the Moabites. They got caught up with them. But now he's telling them, don't get caught up with them. Don't look to those things. Don't draw from those things. Stay with the message that I've given you. Understand that they're there, but keep your eyes straight forward. Don't get into debates. Listen, I looked at this word, filio. It's amazing, the word. And there's so many variations of it when you get into the Hebrew. And it would say, there's there's versions that will say, Philadelphia is, is actually a version of filio, which is, brotherly love. And he said, just kindness. And, and then there, there's philandros, which is loving your husband. You just want to maybe remember that. Philandros. Brothers, you speak that to your wife as you go home today. Loving your husband. Have you got philandros? And she'll say, yes, I've got it. And you say, okay, I'm, I'm covered. Good. But he would say, um, philanthropos, which is another one, which is being humanly kind. Oh, it's, it's good to be humanly kind to people. But Brother Bam would say, we ought to do that, but that's not our main focus. It's higher than that. Uh, and then he would talk about philanthos, which is loving oneself, which is a lot of what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, loving oneself. And then there was another one here. Um, uh, I, 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 maybe I didn't write it down, but it was... Philangria or something like that, which is meant to be argumentative. 
<laughs> you, you, can, you can have a love and you can think, I got something and I want to share it and I'll argue with anybody. That's what the disciples had with Jesus. Yeah, like, hey, we, this guy isn't following. Should we call down fire from heaven for him? He said, you don't know what kind of spirit you got. Oh, the world is just in a mess. You know, we'll just go out and placard and demonstration. No, he's saying here, meddle not with them. For I will not give you of their land, nor much as a footbreath. Just keep your focus. Now, that doesn't mean I, I'm just going to become a cult and I'm just going to close the doors and I'm not going to be open to anyone. No, we're going into a higher level under Agapo, and I'll try and touch on it tonight. We're going into that level, and under that level, it'll lead you in places where you never even thought you'd go. And he, and he would go on further. And, and let's just drop down to verse 8. And when we passed... By from our brethren, the children of Esau, and dwelt in Seir, through the way of the plain from Eliath and from Ezenagabar, we turned and passed by the way of wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend them with, with them in battle, for I have not given thee of their land for a position, for a possession, but I have given heir unto the children of Lot for a possession. Now, he just goes on to say this, and all he's just saying is, just because they don't see it like you, you don't have to meddle. You don't have to call them down. Recognize God gave them something. Not everybody we encounter will be called to the message the same way. But neither do we know when God may turn their heart. So, so what is the approach? Well, we're going to invite these people because we're going to convince them. And I'm going to have five brothers, and we're going to go through this, and we're going to point out all the scriptures, and we're not going to leave them room for anything. No, that's the wrong spirit. We're living in a higher level than that. Let's be Christ to people. How often have we done that in the past? To our shame more than we should have. But recognize not everybody will come. You know what we need to do? Listen, I'll, I'll say, I was with someone the other day, and I know their family's desiring to come in. He's desiring his family to come in. And, and, and he, would, he would love, they could convince them. And I, I've met them before, and I, and I met him again, and, and I met him this time. I just say, thank God for it. I didn't even worry about that. I just said, how good to see you. And, and just love them who, for who they were. You know what? That is a good place to be in. Why? They can pick up on that. They can pick up when you're just trying to draw them to where you are, to what you see. Just be a Christian. Can I, can I share how the prophet will say it? I'll, I'll wind down because I'm going to stay true to my promise here. But he will say under the token, and he said, you know what Joshua said before crossing over? He said, get ready, apply it, believe it, clean up, let your children, let your family, let your loved ones see it in you. That's right. It'll take effect. Now he says, apply the token. Where? In prayer. Yeah, there's things we need to do in our home. But it's beyond that. Apply it in prayer. Apply it with such love and so forth till you know it's going to take place. You know, there's great power. He says, now apply it in confidence, believing it's going to help. When you talk to that child, when you talk to your husband, when you talk to your wife, believe that it's going to help. Just stand there and say, Lord, I've claimed them. I'm getting them for you. Now he says, apply it 
Create that atmosphere around you and they'll just drop into it. You know what? We can't save anyone. We can't, we can't do it, but we can be creators. We can create an atmosphere. You know what? We can have a heart for them. And if we have a heart for them, they'll sense that. But we don't have to try to convince them. you got to see it like I see in my mind. No. Let, give them to Jesus. Let Jesus be their salvation. Uh, you, you never know when you drop a word in. Listen, let's have musicians come. I said I'm going to close, so I will. You don't know when it'll come back on you. I was just sharing with a man. He's a, he's a Catholic that I worked with years ago, and, and I was together with him just briefly this week. And he, and he said to me, he said, we just started talking about a job that he'd lost. And I said, you know, there's some years ago I lost this job, and it was kind of a dispute, and we kind of disagreed. And, and I, I probably was out some money and something, and I, but I didn't make it a big fight when I was done. And, and then five or six years later, all of a sudden I got this referral from these same people that we kind of had not left on good terms at. And I said, and they came back and they brought this referral, and this referral turned out to probably give our company at that time five times the work the original job ever did. We recovered all that was ever would have been lost. What was it? It was God coming back around. Just drop a word. Sometimes you don't, sometimes there's power in not saying anything, but just loving the person, just being Christ to them. I want, I want to go a little higher. Who wants to go a little higher with me? Let's stand together. I, I, I will just drop it right there. Be true to my word on this. And then we'll, we'll just go further with it tonight. I am thine, O Lord. Just let's sing something that's just nice in a way. It's good. I am thine, O Oh, consecrate me now.